0: Thank you for worshiping tonight. I just want to start this sermon with a statement, and then I'm going to give you my title. We'll pray. I want to tell you that God is attracted to sacrifice. Always has been, always will be. And as the people of God, in whatever age they may live in, as they, as they approach God from a posture of sacrifice, it gets heaven's attention. And the blessings and the power of God come to bear. And tonight I want to share on the subject for a few minutes, burnt offerings and blessings. And can you help me pray for a moment? Let's invite God to speak to us over the next few minutes and let's invite his presence into this message and into the moments that we have together. Let's pray. Lord, God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for how you stepped into this service. God, we sense... Got a divine purpose and intention, not just for this sermon or this service, but God, this season that we are in. And I pray that you'd help us to receive clarity from you and from your word, God, as we enter into a season of sacrifice, into this wonderful year that you've given to us. God, a year in which you very well may return for your bride. So God, help us to hear your voice. Those that have an ear to hear, let us hear. We pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. In the Old Testament, animal sacrifices were a major component of worship to God. The shedding of animal blood was how the sins of the people were dealt with. This is foreign to us today, thankfully, because our sins are dealt with by the shed blood of Jesus. And our salvation has been paid for by the finished work of Calvary. And so we don't have to go through the hassle of bringing lambs and rams and goats and all that to the house of God. And everyone say, thank you, Jesus. But generally speaking, the act of bringing a sacrifice before the Lord was a common occurrence, certainly in the Old Testament. It was often an animal that was to be offered, but at times it was other things like grain or choice flour or wine or oil that would be brought and as God's plan for worship in the Old Testament was revealed to his people in the law of Moses, we see that there were five main categories of sacrifices that could be brought and offered for different purposes and functions. And this, this is kind of the stuff that, as you're in a Bible reading program, you're going to run into Leviticus pretty soon. And this is the kind of stuff that you're going to read about, and it can be a little bit of a, of a bore, perhaps. But, but there's great detail given, and here are some of the sacrifices that the people of God would offer. There's the burn offering, there's the grain offering, the peace offering, there's the sin offering, and there's the trespass offering. Each serving different purposes in the lives of God's people. But these five, you may or may not remember them, but they can actually be simplified further into just two categories. Certain sacrifices were mandated by God. While others were voluntary in nature, voluntary offerings. And so, for example, of the five I gave you, the sin offering and the trespass offering, those were mandatory offerings put in place by God himself for his people in the Old Testament. If you had sinned, you had no choice in the matter. If you wanted your sin to be dealt with, if you wanted judgment for that sin to be rolled ahead to another time, to another year, you had no choice. It was required that you offered a sin offering to God. And if you had sinned against a neighbor, somebody else, a brother or sister in the community, well, then you had to offer the trespass offering for you had trespassed against them. Now, on the other hand, You have the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the peace offering. And these three of the five, they were in the other category. They were voluntary offerings uh, offered to God by his people. And in these voluntary offerings, it's interesting to me because God did not give uh, a a lot of specifics about them. There were some. They were talked about. It was implied that they were expected, but... God left it up to the people when exactly they would do these offerings, how often they would do them, and what size their offering would be. God could have told them specifically how often and how much that he desired them to sacrifice in these voluntary offerings. He was very specific about many other things in the scripture, but he didn't. He left it open-ended for them to determine. No ceiling was set For these voluntary offerings. It's as if perhaps God wanted to see who was willing to go that extra mile in worship, and some certainly did, and God always responded because God is attracted to sacrifice. It's why we read of instances like this in the scripture. We turn our attention to Solomon, the third king of Israel, the son of King David. And near the beginning of his reign, Solomon, this king, gathered the people before the tabernacle of the Lord, and there he made sacrifices. And the Bible tells us, 2 Chronicles 1 verse 6, that Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation. And there he offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. One of the voluntary offerings that could be offered to the Lord, a burnt offering. And it raises the question in my mind, well, well, Solomon, who told you to do that? Who told you to take a thousand bowls or whatever it was and, and offer them before the Lord on that brazen altar? And the answer, simply put, is that no one did. Nobody told Solomon how much he ought to offer and and how many he should give before the Lord on this altar. He did it of his own free will. It was voluntary, but he chose to sacrifice extravagantly for the glory of God. And this extravagant sacrifice, it led to abundant blessing. For in the very next verse, the Bible says, In that very night... Did God appear unto Solomon? And he said unto him, Solomon, ask me what I shall give thee. Solomon, whatever you want, whatever you desire, whatever you're hungry for, because you have extravagantly sacrificed before the Lord, I have some blessing that I want to bestow upon you. That blessing, it was preceded by by burnt offerings. Burnt offerings and blessings. And Solomon, he asks God for wisdom. God grants him his request and makes him the wisest man to ever live on planet earth, the Bible says. But it all started with burnt offerings and extravagant sacrifices made to God. You see, God's word gives us the pathway. It's not just a thousands of year old principle or promise. But for us today, the pathway for abundant spiritual blessing in our lives and in a church locally and globally And the pattern is through great personal sacrifice. It's something that isn't mandatory. Only if you want to see God move powerfully. But God has presented us with an opportunity for him to meet us by great power. You show me tonight a sacrificial person, and I will show you a blessed person. For God will not be mocked, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And when we sow in sacrifice in our lives, we reap the blessings of God. So for, for the next few minutes and, and, and before we land this plane, what I'd like to do is I would like to walk you through various stories in the Scripture and show you how this pattern holds true, that God brings about abundant blessings when God's people offered great, extravagant, voluntary offerings to the Lord. First, I'll take you to Noah. We talked about Noah a little bit this morning in Pastor series. But if you'd allow me to pick up his narrative for a few minutes. The flood is now over. And the waters have receded. And, and God tells him to get off the boat. Genesis 8.15. God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark. Thou and thy wife and thy sons and and thy sons' wives with thee. And so Noah does it. He exits the ark, bringing with him his family as well as the animals. And, And you will notice with me the very first thing that this man of God does as soon as he exits the ark. Verse 20. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. And he took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and he offered burnt offerings, a voluntary offering, On the altar, God never told him he had to, but Noah had something in his heart—a desire to offer something great to the Lord. Now, now, to me, I ask the question: How many, uh, how many uh, sacrifices were made that day? But before we get to that question, you got to ask this question: How many of each animal did Noah take on the ark? Because you know, just you employ a little logic, and you understand that that there's a limited pool now of animals to just start slaughtering right all the rest died they drowned in the flood and so and so if there's only two we have a problem so how many animals did did Noah actually take on the ark I know what they taught you in Sunday school and I know what the flannel graph said but don't blame your Sunday school teacher it's just what headquarters sent them And and as I read the scripture, I understand that the flannel graph wouldn't have held this many animals anyway. Genesis 7 and 2, of every clean beast, thou shalt take to thee by sevens, not by twos, by sevens, the male and his female. And so we understand that Noah, of clean beasts, clean animals, those that were acceptable for eating and for sacrificing to the Lord, there was 14 that Noah would take on the ark. I told you it wouldn't fit on the flannel graph. And of beasts that are not clean, those are the ones you take by two, the male and his female. And likewise of the fowls of the air, clean animals by sevens, the male and the female, to keep the seed alive upon the face of the earth. And so contrary to what common understanding might be, Noah took more than just two of all these clean beasts and and these birds. And one of the primary purposes for doing so was so that Noah could offer sacrifices to God after the flood. And so my first question, how many animals did Noah sacrifice that day? We can't know for sure. But if there were in fact 14 of every clean animal, then Noah could have sacrificed a maximum of six of each kind of clean animal. You split it in half. They could only sacrifice males according to the Leviticus chapter 1 for the burnt offering. And so you've got seven. You need to leave one at least for procreation. So there's six that could have been sacrificed. A lot of clean animals exist, you know. I did a quick look. Antelope, bison, caribou, cattle, deer, elk, gazelle, giraffe, goat, hart, ibex, moose, ox, reindeer, sheep. I mean, Noah could have sacrificed a reindeer. I don't know if it's too close after Christmas to, to say that or not, but. He may have sacrificed Rudolph, I don't know. The chicken, the dove, duck, goose, grouse, guinea fowl, partridge, pea fowl, pheasant, pigeon, prairie chicken, ptarmigan, quail. What is that? Ptarmigan. A sage hen, sparrow, swan, a teal, a turkey, all clean, all permissible for sacrifices. It's not an exhaustive list, but if Noah sacrificed just one male from each of these that I listed, then he would have sacrificed nearly three dozen God only knows exactly how many he sacrificed. But all we know, if you can throw Genesis 8 verse 20 on the screen again, all we know is that he took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and he made from all of these species burnt offerings on the altar at least one, a maximum of six of every clean animal, beast, and fowl that ever walked or flew on the face of the earth. That's a lot. And so we don't know how many exactly it might have been. But, but we do know that this was a moment of extravagant sacrifice offered to the Lord. A burnt offering that Noah did of his own free will. Laying it out before God saying, Lord, you're worthy. I give it to you. I'm willing to give a sacrifice. And that's powerful. But please notice what happens in the very next chapter. Immediately after this voluntary burnt offering to God. The heading in your Bible over Genesis chapter 9 is God confirms his covenant. Verse 1, and God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Do you see it? The blessing came after the burnt offering. Verse 8, and God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, and behold, I will establish my covenant with you. The covenant was spoken and declared after the burnt offerings. And it's not just for you, it's for your seed after you. This covenant is not just for this generation, but for every generation that will follow after you. And verse 11 again, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of the flood, neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. And we see that God establishes covenant with Noah and his family. After an extravagant sacrifice, a new level of blessing rested upon them because of their burnt offerings. And in case you think maybe that this is of no consequence or that this is just a one-off in Scripture, let's look further. Because throughout your Bible, you will see often that covenant is established and promises are spoken and and confirmed by God. After moments of great sacrifice, after seasons of great sacrifice, God steps in and speaks a word. We see Abraham, the father of the faithful in the Old Testament. Abraham was one who was no stranger to the burnt offering. He was the one that was willing to follow God to a place he had never been And there were several times that that God responded to moments of personal sacrifice in Abraham's life. One such account, it's found in Genesis 14 when Abraham encountered a priest named Melchizedek. And Abraham had just returned from rescuing his nephew Lot from enemy invaders. And not only did he save Lot and his family, but also plundered the enemy and was coming home laden with goods. And this priest, Melchizedek, he comes to Abraham after this great victory and he pronounces a blessing upon him. Here it is, Genesis 14, 20. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And here's what happens next. Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all of his spoils. So Abraham here, he paid his tithe to this priest that perhaps he had never met. I don't know. He had just come through this battle. He had recovered all this spoil. And essentially the first thing that he did was give a tenth of it to the priest. Which is interesting to me because Abraham paid his tithes before tithing was even written about in the law. Abraham was not obeying a command from the Torah. The Torah was not written yet. In fact, this is the first time that we see the concept of tithing even mentioned in the Bible. And so get this, Abraham... He did something that, as far as we can tell, was not required of him. He offered something to the man of God that was not required, but he did it. He offered as a sacrifice to the man of God, but really as unto the Lord. And that's powerful, but please watch with me what happens immediately following this moment of sacrifice. Very next chapter, in the heading over Genesis chapter 15, the Lord's covenant promise to Abram. Do you see? After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision. After what things? After offering an extravagant, unnecessary, voluntary offering. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and he said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And God confirms and clarifies his covenant and his promises to Abraham. He promises him innumerable descendants, which had happened already in Genesis 12, but he reiterates it and adds layers to it. And it all comes after immense, extravagant, sacrifice. Sometime later, God comes good on his promise, gives Abraham the promised son, Isaac, and then immediately tests Abraham. In Genesis 22, verse 2, God said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering, a burnt offering upon the mount, one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. The burnt offering, again, it's it's a voluntary offering. But God lays before Abraham an opportunity for obedience and to do something for God that is difficult and costly. And Abraham responds. Now, I'll just insert this. God did not actually desire human sacrifice. That, That was a pagan worship ritual. But this was done for two reasons. First, God wanted to see if Abraham was willing to do for his God what the pagans were willing to do for theirs. And the same thing holds for us. God sometimes wants to see if we're willing to do for our God what the world is willing to do for their gods. And the second reason that God would expect this or ask this of Abraham, this was was a type and a shadow of Jesus being crucified at Calvary. Isaac would bear the wood up the mountain, just like Jesus would bear the beam of the cross up Golgotha's hill. Isaac would be fastened to the wood just like Jesus would be nailed to that cross. This was a type and this was a shadow. This was a symbol of what would someday come. The greatest sacrifice. But Abraham is willing to do this all the way up to the point of having Isaac on the altar and the dagger raised in the air, ready to plunge it into the heart of his promise and his son. And at just the right moment, an angel calls to Abraham in verse 12 and said, Don't lay a hand upon the lad, neither do thou uh, anything unto him. For now I know. Now I know you're willing to do what they do for their gods. You would do it for me. You're willing to pay whatever price and offer whatever sacrifice, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And because you are willing to make a sacrifice like that, you've got my attention. God, of course, provides a substitutionary ram and it's offered in Isaac's place. But watch what happens following. Following probably what could have and would have been the most costly burnt offering in the Bible. Immediately following verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the out of heaven. And he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and you've not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, another layer to the promises of God. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. What's the point? This evening. What's the point of this story? God is attracted to extravagant sacrifice. And if we don't know what it is to put our desires on the back burner in order to pursue God's kingdom, if we don't know what it is to lay our dreams and and the promises that maybe God has even given us, lay them on the altar before the Lord and say, God, I want you more than I want anything else. I want you more than preferences. I want you more than conveniences. God, I want you more than comforts. If we don't know what it is to find a place of sacrifice, We may never know what it is to enter a dimension of blessing and purpose and power because blessings follow burnt offerings. Blessings follow moments of extravagant sacrifice. And God's power comes to bear for people like that. We see it everywhere in Scripture. But allow me to show you one more. Music, join me father of King Solomon, who we've talked about already, King David, he was a powerful king, a great king in the nation of Israel. And there came a point in Israel's history when David saw the blessing on the house of Obed-Edom, the home that had housed the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of Jehovah, and, and he saw the blessing of Obed-Edom's house and he said, we have to get that back to its rightful place, to the tabernacle of the Lord. And that's what he seeks and sets out to do. And when he is doing this, as he gets all the priests and the Levites in the right place, and, and he gets everybody in their positions and they start carrying the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 13. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord, when they had gone six paces, that he, David, offered a sacrifice of oxen and fatlings. And not only that, the next verse tells us that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So the whole journey, however long it was, we don't know for sure. The entire journey, every every seven paces, David the king, one that could have had all the pomp and circumstance and could have excused himself from such behavior. David the king, he he offered burnt offerings before the Lord. Every seven paces, let's let's just all agree that that's going to impede your progress. It's going to slow things down. It seems extravagant. It seems unnecessary. But it attracted God. And it wasn't just on the journey. The Bible tells us in another place that when they got there, they offered more burnt offerings because David wanted to let God know that he loved him, that he had a desire for him, and he wanted the hand of blessing to not just rest on Obed-Edom, but he wanted the hand of blessing to rest on he and the nation and on the tabernacle And he understood that extravagant sacrifice gets the attention of God. Every seven steps. but God favored this this worshiper. Later calls David a man after his own heart. And there were critics, namely his own wife, Michael, who from the window would look down to the streets of Jerusalem and saw her husband dancing in just regular clothes, not in his kingly garments. The Bible says that she had contempt for her own husband, for this boisterous display of worship and this wasteful display, this sacrificing every seven steps. She had contempt for him. She disdained him. Can I tell you, there will always be a Michael in the window. There will always be critics that look down their nose at you and say, what a waste. In fact, I would hazard a guess that... that for many of us, probably most of us, we have a little bit of that voice of Michael that is right up here. That, that when we feel a prompting from God to lean into something like a season of sacrifice, that voice says, oh, that, that that's, that's a waste of effort. That's a waste of time. You don't really need to do that level or that much or go that far or, or lean in that hard. You don't need to. That's a waste. You ever heard that voice before? You usually hear it on like day six of a seven-day fast. You don't need to finish this out. Day, day 19, 20, right? Come on, just break it. Boston Pizza's open till 2 a.m. Just do it. But what some call waste... God sees his worship. An extravagant sacrifice gets the attention of God. And the extravagant boisterous display is wonderful, but but once again, please notice the very next chapter. There's a heading over 2 Samuel chapter 7. The Lord's covenant promise to David. 2 Samuel 7.4 And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan the prophet. Verse 12. When thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, you're going to be dead and gone, David. But I'm going to set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build an house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. Verse 16, last verse. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. A powerful declaration of promise and covenant from God to King David. And it happened immediately following an extravagant sacrifice. And Jesus would one day come from the line of King David and Solomon. And so the word of God was fulfilled. And it all came after burnt offerings. Burnt offerings that led to great blessing. Covenant Promise and power always proceed after personal sacrifice. Always. And I would end this evening by saying that God has not told us exactly what. We've we've left it open ended this, this next three weeks as well. God has not said exactly what, how much, but He has told us how. You set the bar. You raise the ceiling, if you will. Last little example that I'll share with you before we, before we pray. I think of Mary, the one in the New Testament that broke that alabaster box over Jesus' body when he was there in the house to prepare his body for burial. And that ointment that she broke, that, that spike nerd or whatever, it was worth about a year's salary. Can you imagine taking a year's salary and buying a a box of perfume or a bottle of cologne and forget just buying it, but then breaking it and letting it be poured over over the head and down the body of Jesus? You know, in Judas, you can understand why he indignantly stood up and said, What a waste! What a waste! We could have sold that and we could have taken the proceeds and the profits and and we could have given it to the poor. What a waste! But what Judas called a waste, Jesus called worship. In fact, Jesus would say in Matthew 26, 13, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman, what she has done, be told for a memorial of her. He said, whenever you preach this gospel, be sure to bring up the woman that was willing to, to sacrifice extravagantly for me. Don't forget to tell them about somebody like that because I always, I always respond and I always come near to a person that is willing to sacrifice extravagantly. So these next 21 days, this season of sacrifice, I feel it's a lot like those voluntary offerings feel like it's a lot like those burnt offerings. And God has left it up to the people what the offering will be. But as we see time and time again, the greater the sacrifice, the more significant, the more extravagant the sacrifice, God responds with promise. God responds with covenant. God responds with great power. I want to see people in our city enter into covenant with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that God responds with covenant promises and, and covenant power on the heels of great sacrifice. And so I am challenging somebody here to set a new bar and to not just do maybe what you've always done and to not just say, well I'm going to get hungry if I do that. We all say that. But, but as we set a new bar, I'm just promising you on the authority of the Word of God, that God will meet you there. On the other side of an extravagant sacrifice, burnt offerings and blessings. Let's stand together in this room tonight. I'm going to turn this back to Pastor in just a minute, but before that, he's going to tell us a little bit more and just talk about this fast. But can we just raise our hands? In this sanctuary, can we just take a moment? Can we respond to the presence of God that we feel so strong in this place? And can we respond to the word of God that has been declared in this sanctuary tonight? Can we lift our voice now? And can we just respond? Can we entertain His presence? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, thank you for bringing us to this place. God, you've set before us tonight at the beginning of this season of sacrifice an open door and God I truly believe that only eternity will tell what these next 21 days the impact that they will have on our families on our own lives on our communities on the city of Fredericton and God upon worldwide revival I believe that you are still a God that responds to sacrifice like that Jesus I still believe God that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I declare that now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that that burden would rest upon this people tonight. Everybody joining us online, I pray that they would feel that burden, that compulsion of the Holy Ghost to take on this challenge in the name of Jesus. Just one more time, can you lift your voice? Can you pray in the spirit? Can you let his spirit move up among us and upon us right now?